hello there, and thanks for joining me again on the uh, podcast, part three, as we further examine the question, why so much crime in our cities and in our homes? What happened in 2020 when the crime rate began to escalate, and now in 2021, the escalation is even greater? What in the world happened, and what's going on? Well, 70 cities, 70 American cities and counties have experienced a rapid and a very severe increase in murder in this past year. 35% increase in murders in 70 American cities and counties. That's the rise that we're seeing. Why? In New York City, for instance, proactive police stops and ticketing and arrests just for minor areas of crime have dropped by 90%. In other words, in New York City and other places as well, Police are not stopping giving tickets or arresting people for what sometimes is referred to as minor crimes. In the same way that we did a couple years back when we did not arrest kids for marijuana if it was just a small amount of marijuana in their possession. You see, we have become tolerant of crime. We have become tolerant of minor crime. And that leads to tolerance for major crime. People are not even now calling the police for intervention. You know, it's why do it? They're not going to come. They're not going to come in any timely manner. So in a way, people have a request, have a need for the involvement of the police, but are not calling because it's an exercise in futility. So what's going on in our American cities? Well, the main point that needs to be said, and to bring this series to a conclusion, Part three of this series of why crime in America, why crime in our streets, why crime in our home relates to the decision about a year ago or so to defund the police. It wasn't to defund certain programs. It was to defund the police department. It wasn't to defund certain kinds of criminal activity intervention. It was to defund across the board. And many cities did that, dropped the funding of the police department by a million dollars or more. You see... When we defund the police, we are taking the police off the street and we're allowing our streets to go unpatrolled, uncorrected, unchecked. And people then begin to believe and begin to behave as they so wish. So this issue of defunding the police has been a major contributor to our crime. And unfortunately, our mayors and governors and leaders of cities, even police, chief of police in various places, came to believe that that might be an answer. Instead of having police out on the street, either have no one and let the street just manage itself or get some kind of substitute cop out there like a social worker or a street worker of some kind. Here's what you have to kind of remember though. Social workers have a certain kind of training. They are not police. They are not cops. And in fact, that would be working outside of their area of expertise and that's unethical. So a social worker to be within the police force have to have special training in criminology, special training in police activity to be able to work with and serve alongside of policemen in a police department. Same whether it be a psychologist or a sociologist or whatever. All professions are trained in certain kind of behavioral intervention. And when they do something outside of that for which they're not trained, for which they do not have experience, for which they do not have education, that's unethical. So we are placing are police at risk by taking away their funds? And what's happening then is the older policemen retire. Those ready to retire 
go ahead and retire. Those who are well experienced retire or get reassigned to some other kind of duty. And we're left with policemen who are young, inexperienced, coming out of school, maybe their first job, maybe their first real intervention in the streets and in the city. And we're finding that they don't have the skills and the wherewithal to be effective as a policeman in their particular city. And because of that, crime increases. The answer why we have so much crime? Partly because our mayors, our governors, city managers, councilmen for cities and counties, and so on, have bought into the lie, have bought into the strategy of defending the police, taking the police off the streets, and letting the streets run wild and manage itself. That's why we have so much crime today. And we're gonna, we paid a price for that. We have paid a high price. Many lives have been sacrificed by this defunding the police mentality. Many children have died. Many adults have died. Many murders have been uh, executed and uh, operated and taken off without the police being aware or being involved. So we are in trouble as a country. The United States is in trouble. We bought a lie. The lie is you can take away the police and not have any adverse effects on the street. And in fact, the street might even be safer. That's the lie that we bought into. It's just not true at all. Now, here's another factor related to the reason why we have crime. And that is we have people out there who we have a identification of what we call the criminal mind. People who have a criminal mind, they live a life of criminality. They live a life of, of uh, seeking ways to take advantage of others and getting by with criminal behavior. Tell me about the criminal mind. Well, here it is. Lack of empathy. People who do not have empathy, do not have a sense of compassion for other people, a caring for other people. The empathy for others is absent. It's zero. That's the criminal mind. If you don't feel for other people, you can treat them however you want. Here's number two. The criminal mind has no fear, lives with no anxiety, lives with no guilt, no shame. They can commit a crime, they can live a life of crime, and not feel at all a sense of shame or anxiety or fear or having that sense of wrongfulness. It's absent. That's the criminal mind. They're competitive. They see the world in, in a sense of competitiveness. They're going to be bigger and better and worse than anybody else. They're going to win arguments. They're going to win combat. They're going to win conflict. And they love challenge. They love challenge. They love the challenge of the street. They love the challenge of the gang war, the gang life. They love that kind of challenge where they're always being put to the test. That's the criminal mind. And we have many, many people in our community who have a criminal mind and they have a criminal lifestyle. Their rap sheet is long with arrests, criminality. Yet police officers and judges sometimes just overlook that long rap sheet and just deal with a crime one at a time. When in fact what a judge needs to do and what police officers need to do and district attorneys need to do is look at the pattern of crime, not the existence of a criminal act, but the pattern of criminality, pattern of criminal thinking, the criminality that prevails within the emotional state of an individual, lacking fear, lacking anxiety, lacking shame, lacking guilt. That's the criminal mind. It's not necessarily born. We raise children to have a criminal mind. We teach children 
the criminal mind lifestyle. We exhibit that for them. We portray that for them. We encourage that. And the defunding of the police encourages the criminal mind to be even more astute, even more wise, even more obvious, even more competitive, and even more destructive within the city in which they live. So when we look at this idea of criminality and the criminal lifestyle and the rise of crime within our cities and our homes, we have to blame ourselves. We bought a lie. The lie was we can live without police. Well, that's been now proven not to be true. We cannot live without police. We cannot live without the presence of police. We cannot live without the control that police exert on the street and in the city. We need the police to be part of our life for protection, for care, and to keep things in order. Unfortunately, kids today have a freedom of thought, having a freedom of behavior, which goes beyond what is what we consider to be normal and usual and typical into a behavior pattern which is criminal, which is outside the boundaries of positive pro-social behavior. So why do we have crime? Well, in a way, we can answer by saying we want crime. We encourage crime. We allow for crime. We've made provisions for crime to be increased. And we've had a tolerance for crime and for criminals. And they're winning and we're losing. So there you are. Thanks for joining me with me today on why we have criminality to the extent to which we do today in our cities and in our homes. We've done three parts now. If you missed part one and part two, just go back a couple days and pick up the other parts. Because it's a complex issue. It's the domain of psychology and domain of sociology and criminology in the criminal system. This is not the field for politicians. Politicians do not understand, do not know, and are not trained in the area of crime management, crime control. They need the direction of the scientists, the social scientists of psychology, sociology, and criminology. And in working together, we can approach the problem of increased crime in our cities today. But if we don't work together, we're only going to find more crime, more murders, and more unrest in our streets and in our homes and among our youth. Thanks for joining me and see you again. Bye for now.